I just want you to, as before we jump in, just to be thinking about whether or not uh, you could attest to either having a good heart or an evil heart. I don't know if it's something you think about a lot, but um, Jesus talked about it, and uh, he said there are some people that have a good heart, and there are some people who have an evil heart, and the way you tell is by their actions, by the way they respond to different situations, and so I just want to look at that today, and this is the final part of, um, look a little bit of a a mini-series. So two weeks ago, and I want to remind us of this, um, I challenged us as a church to take uh, a little bit of time every day throughout 2022 and, and thank God for something. So whether that's something you do just verbally in a prayer uh, or you write it down. For me, I've been writing down something every day that I'm thankful for. And uh, Scripture tells us that thank way, th- thankfulness is like a gateway to encountering God. And so um, when you're going through a day that's challenging or difficult and you take time intentionally to thank God for something, it does something to your heart. It's this reminder of this good, awesome God that we serve. Um, and then last week, uh, we talked about the story in our heads. And so, uh, it's possible to think and meditate on things that are true, but actually will make us more discouraged. And so, you can think about things that um, they're either true events or they're true facts, but it's not always helpful uh, for your heart or your mind. Or the scriptures teach us that, you know, to acknowledge those things, not to sweep them under the rug, but then to actually intentionally take our mind and focus it on good things, on why God is good. And so, those two, those two sermons go together. And this is, this is the, the finale of this. And so, Jesus talks about good hearts uh, versus evil hearts. And so, there's going to be some similar themes. And uh, when I started this in the, at the beginning of 2022, a couple weeks ago, I didn't have a plan to do like a three-week series. A lot of times if I start a series, I have like an idea of um, how long it's going to be. I didn't really have that. Um, But as this has unfolded, I just really feel like it's something God is speaking to us. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to take action with it. Um, Sermons are no good if it's just something that's in your head and doesn't have an impact on your life. Uh, Jesus is all about our lives actually uh, proving what we believe and proving kind of who we are. That's, Jesus is all about that. So um, I'm going to pray, uh, and then we will we'll jump in to this. And I'm just going to pray that God speaks to us uh, today from his word. So let's pray. Lord, uh, I just want to thank you for your word, and I want to thank you for how you challenge us, Lord. And I just pray that you would remind us as a church to intentionally be thankful and grateful and offer you praise every day regardless of what's going on, that we would, we would do what the scriptures say and rejoice uh, in the midst of all situations. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get the story that goes on in our head uh, right, that we would think and meditate on things that actually lead us towards becoming more like you. Um, help us, Lord, to, to get that uh, story in our head right. And, uh, and I also just pray, Lord, as we, we finish this up and just talk today about good hearts versus evil hearts. Jesus, this is something that you taught and um, I believe really speaks to us today in 21st century Thunder Bay, Canada. Um, And so help us, Lord, to hear what you're saying and to put into practice what you're saying as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I will say too, I'm I'm excited. Next week, we're going to start a series um, in the book of Daniel and we're going to talk about what it looks like to, to actually live for God in a world that does not live for God. 
Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but Canada, like if you just go wandering around Canada, um, there's not like all kinds of focus on Jesus. You guys notice that or am I alone in that? You guys, you guys are like, no, I see. Um, as a country, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the kind of value systems and the ways that we're living is not reflective of what God teaches in the scriptures, right? Um, and so Daniel, we're going we're gonna to look for a few weeks starting next week into Daniel uh, and look at what does it look like to be somebody who believes in and follows God in the midst of a, a country and a society that is actually opposed to him a lot of times. And so, uh, yeah, you can, if you want to read Daniel this week and uh, pray through it, that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, I want you to just be thinking about, so good hearts versus evil hearts. Um, is your heart a good heart or is your heart an evil heart? And uh, you can just reflect on that, think about it. And, and Jesus, it's interesting because Jesus doesn't, when he asks this question, we're going to look at this in Scripture. Um, we're going to be looking in, in the Gospel of Luke today specifically. But when Jesus asks this question, the way that it gets answered is in the way that we live our lives, in, in the things that we do, the way we treat our enemies. Not, not whether we're like nice at the store um, with the clerk or not like, like w- with how we respond to an enemy. You know, with, with how we, um, G- one of the examples we're going to look at Jesus gives is like when you give money and somebody rips you off, um, does that like tick you off or would you give money again to somebody knowing they might rip you off? Because Jesus says if you have a good heart, you give to somebody and you may, and you may never see that again. You may get ripped off and you still love, you still show kindness, right? It's really convicting stuff. So Jesus, and, and you'll find that, okay? Whenever you're, you're talking to Jesus or looking at his teachings, um, it's really convicting and, and with, with uh, what he says about what it means to be one of his followers. And so <clears throat> this week, um, I took some time. I, I, I usually do this once a year, but I went on a, a little bit of a spiritual retreat. And I read through uh, the Gospel of Luke in one sitting. Um, it did get broken up a little bit because uh, it's hard to read that long <laughs> in one sitting. Um, but the Gospel of Luke is, out of the four Gospels, it's the one that just ministers to me and speaks to me uh, the deepest because of the way that it's written. And, and if, you, if you read the Gospel of Luke kind of as one big story, which is the way that it's intended to be uh, read, you'll see that Luke has this huge emphasis on disciples, disciples of Jesus. So there's not a, there's not like a ton of attention in the gospel of Luke on the 12 apostles. Okay. They get listed. Jesus goes off and he spends a night in prayer and then he chooses his 12. Uh, But in the gospel of Luke, you'll find Jesus spends a lot of time like pouring into the 12 disciples and then pouring into this larger group of disciples. And so if you read the, the, the gospel of Luke, you see this group of people following Jesus around and, and there's one story where Jesus sends out the 12 to go do a bunch of ministry. And then there's another story where Jesus sends out 72 others to go out and do a bunch of ministry. And then you also read that there seems like there's this even larger crowd that just followed Jesus around. Which would happen if there was a guy going around walking on water, healing people that had been like lame from birth, making blind eyes see, like that would, that would draw a crowd, right? You think, you guys aren't very... Uh, Today. Yeah, <laughs> that would draw a crowd, right? And so there's this like group of people that are walking around, they're following Jesus everywhere. And there's a huge emphasis in the Gospel of Luke on disciples and Jesus actually making disciples. 
And, and just so you know this too, if you ever do decide, okay, I want to read through the Gospel of Luke in one sitting or take it through a couple days, Luke is actually meant to be followed by Acts. So Luke-Acts were written by the same author, and in the, the early church would have read Luke and Acts together. And this is, this is key, you've got to see this. So Acts is an amazing book about how the apostles of Jesus went and they just took the ministry of Jesus after he was resurrected, after he was gone, and they took it to the nations. And there's all kinds of incredible stories in Acts. Well, Luke actually sets Acts up. Okay, so Luke is like the foundation for why we have the book of Acts. If you're wondering, like, how did these people walk with such confidence and boldness in the face of persecution? How did they go and do the very same things Jesus did? Well, it's because in Luke, Jesus took this group of people and he discipled them. He taught them what it was like to be just like him, to put into practice the very things that he was doing. Um, so Luke is the, is the foundation for Acts. It's why we see the things happening in Acts that we see. And uh, anyway, it's really, really uh, powerful stuff. And if you, if you read them t- together uh, like that, you see a lot of the, the, the themes being carried through. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, and this should be up on the screen, Jesus says these really convicting words. He says, students are not greater than their teacher, but... The student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. So Jesus is talking about himself here, okay? So he's the teacher, and he's telling his disciples, like, you're not going to be greater than me, which makes sense because Jesus is God, (laughs) okay? So you don't get to be greater than God. But it is really convicting when Jesus says, like, students, when they're fully trained, will become like their teacher. So if you're a Jesus follower today, if you've said yes to him, Uh, It means that you've said yes, not just to like a set of beliefs that are like stayed up in your mind. It's it's saying yes to an actual way of life, a lifestyle. And Jesus is saying here to his disciples. And so the whole book of Luke, you see Jesus making disciples. He's training them. He's teaching them. And the reason he's teaching them is because he knows Acts is coming. He knows that he's going to be killed. He's going to raise again. And and then he's going to ascend to be with the Father. And he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are going to carry on his ministry. And then the people that carry on the ministry of the disciples are the people that came to Jesus because of the disciples, which is you and I today, right? So Jesus, the reason he's training disciples up is because he, he knows that, like, this ministry needs to carry on in the world. And so he says to his trainees, his disciples, that when you're fully trained, you'll be like your teacher. So I, I don't know what that, that does for you, but when you think about it and reflect on it, like, what, what would it look like in your life to be like Jesus, I, I would bet there's probably a couple people in the room that would say, I feel like I'm becoming a lot like Jesus, but probably most of us would say, man, I have a long way to go if I want to be like Jesus, right? Like, if we're honest, and, and in my experience in talking to people, most people, even ones that are Christians or Jesus followers, don't go around going, I am so much like Jesus, <laughs> right? Like, I don't hear that a lot. When people ask to meet with me, and they're going through a hard time, and they're like, you know, pouring their heart out, like, I usually don't hear, like, I'm just so much like Jesus. <laughs> I usually hear the wrestle, the struggle, and like, man, I don't, like, is God really at work in my heart, or I see my failures, or I'm aware of my mistakes? But Jesus is saying here, like, a fully trained student becomes like his teacher. And, and this is really important. You've got you to know this. He's not just talking about after you die and you're with God in heaven. He's talking about on earth now. Like, the desire that Jesus has for me and you right now is that we would be like him. We'd be like our teacher. 
That's a really convicting thought. I think most of us would be more comfortable if I said, hey, you know, someday you're going to die and you're going to stand before God and, and he's going to let you into heaven and you're going to be just like him. It's like, oh, yeah, like I can fail all I want here on earth and it's just, it's no big deal. I can just, you know, kind of muddle my way through and then someday it's going to be all right. Like, actually, if you, if you take the scriptures seriously, if you take the words of Jesus seriously, what he's saying is, like, if you're uh, uh, his disciple, his follower, he wants you to be like him here like on earth, when you leave, not when we're sitting here and it's easy because we're not opening our mouths, <laughs> right? There's a verse in Proverbs that says, where there are many words, there's much sin. Um, as soon as you open your mouth, you get yourself into trouble sometimes, <laughs> right? So it's, it's easy to like agree in church, but the real test is when we go and we live our lives. And what Jesus is teaching here is he's saying a student uh, will become like his teacher. One of the things that, that I've wrestled with a lot in my life as a Jesus follower is the question of, like, what is, what's God's job and then what's mine? Okay, and I'll, I'll try to make this make sense to you because I don't know if maybe you haven't thought about it before, but likely you have. But we hear a lot of preaching about how, like, we can't save ourselves. Will we all agree? Like, you can't earn your way to God. Is that something we're on the same page with? You all agree with that? Okay. There's usually one in every crowd that's like, no, I think I can. Um, but we would agree, okay? So, like, we can't, we can't save ourselves. We can't earn our way to God, okay? So we know that what Jesus Christ has done, what he accomplished on the cross, um, he did what we could never do. He made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. But then when you read Scripture, there's all these, like, teachings in here about how we have to live our lives, like loving our enemies and, and being a really generous person and, and just doing things that sound impossible. And, and then it, sometimes it feels like, but there is a lot of work I have to do. Like, it almost seems like I'm supposed to somehow earn my relationship with God. You ever wrestle with that? Like, it's something that I've wrestled with a lot in my Christian life. Okay, so what, what is, like, what's God responsible for, and then what am I responsible for? Because if it's all up to God, then I can just say, yep, I believe in him, and then I can go and be a jerk, treat people however I want, and do whatever. It's fine, because, like, you know, all of the saving response, it's all up to God. I can just, right? But we don't see that in Scripture. We, we see that the saving, becoming a, a Christian or whatever, like God doing this amazing work in our heart is something he does. We couldn't ever do it. But there's actually a lot of teaching in the scriptures about how you and I ought to live. And so then there's like this responsibility on our part. You realize this has like caused major splits even in churches. If you, if you go back uh, early enough in church history, not super early, uh, 500 years ago, but with Martin Luther, um, one of the reasons the Protestant Reformation got started was over this question. Okay, so I'll just do a little bit of brief, because this, this is important um, leading into what we're talking about. But Martin Luther was a part of the, the Catholic Church, and so back in Martin Luther's days, um, there wasn't thousands of denominations like we see today. Okay, there was the, the main Catholic Church, and there were splits within that, um, but for the most part, there was kind of one group that was the church. And Martin Luther was this monk, and he's famous for starting what's called the Protestant Reformation. If you're a part of a church today that is not a Catholic church, you could date that back to Luther, okay? Um, he was the one that started this whole movement that was like called Protestantism. And one of the major issues that Luther had was within the, the Catholic church, there was a, a lot of teaching on works. There was a lot of teaching on if you're actually going to be forgiven of your sins, you had to do things in order to gain God's forgiveness. Okay? If you know your church history at all, one of the things that really, really 
irked, irritated, frustrated, enraged Luther was the sale of something called indulgences. Okay, so, so he saw the powerful people that be that were in charge in the church, and they were like kind of abusing and exploiting poorer people. And they were convincing them that if they paid money, then their relatives could be sent to heaven early, that their sins could be forgiven. And so the church was like growing in wealth and power. And Luther started reading the scriptures and he was angry. And he was like, he was like, no, like that's not, that's not the case. Like we can't be taking advantage of, of people and making them think they got to give money in order to earn God's acceptance. And we can't make them think it's about works because being saved is something that God does. And so Luther came up with this doctrine called sola fide, which basically just means that we're saved because of what God has done, not our own works. Okay, and if you want to, there's a lot more details you could study in that history, but I just want to point that out. This like question of like, what am I responsible for versus what is God responsible for is a really challenging and difficult question. And it's what split um, the, the church 500 years ago. But I would say that it's, it's actually possible to go too far with, with Luther's thinking and say, well, like, I have no responsibility. I can just kind of live however I want. And it's tempting, right? Especially if there's something you're doing that's sinful or bad in some way, and, and wanna, we want to just say, like, well, you know, God's the one that's responsible to save me. My actions don't really mean anything. But there is, there is uh, a lot of teaching in the Scriptures. Jesus, the reason he discipled people is because he was teaching them to become like him. Okay, and so I wanted to, to point that out just to set, set this up a little bit when we talk about good hearts versus evil hearts. And, and I want you to, to know, if you, know, you study through the book of Luke, you'll see that the reason Jesus came is because he came to do what no human being could ever do. Okay, and, we, and we know this. If you've been a part of the church for a while, you know Jesus accomplished something that none of us could do. He lived an absolutely sinless, perfect life. He gave his life on our behalf, he was crucified on the cross, God rose him from the dead, he ascended to heaven, he made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. We could not do that, there's no good works, you can't be good enough, all of us have sinned, all of us have made mistakes. But, when you encounter Jesus, something changes, and, and he actually asks for us to obey him. Even at the Great Commission, Jesus taught um, not just to go preach the message like I'm doing now, but to teach people to obey his instructions. So Jesus, this is super important, his desire for you, his desire for me, is that we would become just like him, that we would become just like Jesus, that we would walk in freedom, um, that the way we interact with people in the world is, is exactly like him, which is a convicting thought, which is why we need each other, which is why we, uh, and we need, and, and You'll see also Luke acts, okay, like I've said, Luke is the gospel that ministers to me the most. There is so much emphasis in the book of Luke on the Holy Spirit. So with what I'm saying, and I'm going to get into this um, good heart versus evil heart, but we can't live this way unless we're empowered by God's Holy Spirit. So I'm not talking about like morality or just being a really good person or trying really hard. God actually, his desire that, is that we'd become like Jesus but he doesn't leave us on our own to do it. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. But there is choices you and I make. There are sacrifices that we make. Obedience is not something that just comes naturally or easily to us. Obedience is something that's trained. Come and spend a day. Uh, you, you can ask our older kids. We have two two-year-olds. 
Obedience is something you train, <laughs> okay? They don't come out just obeying. Like, none of us do, okay? And it's like being a parent has just reinforced this in me because I'm like, you know what? We don't just naturally obey. We naturally disobey. <laughs> like, we naturally do things. And so it is trained, and that's why discipleship is so key. And so uh, in Luke, just a couple verses down from where Jesus talked about the student becoming like the teacher, uh, I'm going to read this, these couple verses from Luke chapter 6, and this should be up on the screen. And just as, as I read this, um, as, as the one speaking this, I don't want to get in the way. Uh, my desire is that you'd hear the Lord speaking to you today. This is really uh, convicting stuff, but it's God speaking it. It's not me. This isn't what I'm going to read. is not my opinion. Um, it's it's. Jesus speaking. So he says this. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Super convicting stuff, okay? And so he's using imagery from uh, Middle Eastern stuff, but like you can't pick oranges off of an apple tree, okay? An apple tree produces apples. That's what, it, that's what you get. What, and, and the illustration Jesus is saying is like, if you're planted in God's soil, if you've encountered him, you don't produce evil, which is kind of a scary thought because all of us probably if we were honest, would confess times in our lives after we've been Jesus followers where we've sinned or we've done something wrong. Jesus talks about that later in Scripture. So I, I just want you to know, as I'm talking about this, I'm not saying that if you've messed up this week, you're a bad tree and you're just, <laughs> you're good for nothing. That's not what I'm saying and that's not what the Scriptures are saying. But what Jesus is saying is that the disciple who's fully trained will become like his teacher. And so uh, when you're planted in God's soil, you produce good things. And the repetition in here is really important. There's a graphic. Uh, I don't see Brian here today, but Brian helped me with this little graphic. Uh, so a good heart and a bad heart. And I want you to notice the repetition in these verses. So a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Good, good, good. Okay. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Evil, evil, evil. And then he says, what you say flows out of what is in your heart. Have you ever watched, uh, I'll ask if you've watched a movie like this, but you've experienced it in real life. But I've seen this a lot. My, my family and I, we used to have like family movie nights when I was growing up. And we'd watch all these like uh, movies about families and, you know, kind of things that happen within families. And I remember as a young person watching, and I've seen it so many times on the screen, where two people get in a fight and they say horrendous, horrible things to each other. Have you ever seen a scene like that? Like, just absolutely terrible things. And then what usually happens is they go away, and when they come back together, they say these words. They say, I really didn't mean what I said. You've seen that? Okay? Jesus would disagree. And this is what's really convicting. And so I, I use the example of a, well, I didn't even say a specific movie, because that happens all the time in movies. But in our lives, there's probably uh, scenes that come to mind when I talk about that, where you've had an absolute blow-up with somebody. And at, in the moment of that blow-up, all of this stuff comes out that you had been trying to repress. You've been trying to keep it down. And then usually in the makeup or in the apology, we're like, I, I didn't mean what I said. 
But Jesus actually has something different to say. He says, what you say, what comes out of your mouth, flows out of your heart. So if what's in your mind, if what's in your heart, if what, if you've, if what you've got going on inside is, is, is evil and angry, then there will be times where when the explosion comes, that just comes erupting out. And we will say those words, like, I, didn't, I really didn't mean that. And what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to save the relationship. We're trying to save that person's feelings, which is a good thing to do when, we, when we're apologizing. But if those explosions happen and all of this stuff is coming out, Jesus wouldn't say to you, yeah, you didn't mean that. He would say, you've got some things in your heart that are still evil. And I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I just want to tell you, as a preacher, I am always convicted when I speak from the scriptures because it's like this mirror back to me where God is saying, this is, <laughs> here's some examples in your life where you've done this, or here's some things that you're currently allowing in your heart that could come out as an explosion. You know, I realized that one day I was working for a boss of mine, and the only reason I didn't tell him off was because I didn't want to get fired because I needed the money. <laughs> and God convicted me and was like, the whole reason you seem like you're a nice guy sometimes is because your motivation is like, you know your job depends on how you treat this person. And it was this really convicting thought because I was like, yeah, that's so true. If, I, if somebody gave me $2 million, I'd probably go tell the guy off. Like, I don't need the job. See you later. Bye. <laughs> right? But sometimes what keeps us back is, is a motivation that's not right. And then when the explosion happens and it's beyond our control, we say, well, I didn't, I didn't really mean that. And what Jesus is saying, what you say flows out of your heart. I don't know about you, but I, I find that really convicting. Like, and, and you'll find that a lot when you, when you look at Jesus' teaching and Jesus' words. It's really convicting. And, and when you study discipleship, um, discipleship doesn't happen like this. Like me up on a stage passing on information. I mean, it, that's one thing. It might convict you or challenge you here in the moment. But it's, it's how we go and live our lives that really makes the difference. So for me, there are times where I've been really convicted at some of the things in my heart, and I've realized that there's, there's evil things I've allowed in my heart. And how I've worked through that is through relationships with other people that love Jesus, that I start confessing those things to. Or I have the blow-off, or I say something that I shouldn't, and I realize, like, well, what Jesus says about this is that that's actually revealing what's really going on in my heart. And, and I start doing life with people in real time. And I just want to encourage you, like our, our lives with Jesus, it's discipleship is, is doing life with. It's, it's learning in the everyday. And so um, I want to point this out, and this, there should be uh, a slide up here, but what does Jesus mean when he talks about a good heart? What, what are some of the evidences Jesus gives for having a good heart? Again, this is really convicting. Um, he says, you're blessed when you're hated, excluded, mocked, and cursed for your faith. You should rejoice when that happens. He says, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. The reason that I find this stuff, Jesus is giving, what he's doing is he's giving real life practical examples for evidence of whether or not our heart is good. So, and I would say probably here in 21st century North America, Thunder Bay, we don't encounter a lot of people that actually hate us in the same way as what Jesus is talking about 
to the crowd of people he was talking about that were under intense persecution. I've read stories of, of Jesus followers who've served in places where it's illegal to be a Christian. And so loving those that hate you uh, means loving those that, that actually may have burned your house down or may have done something absolutely crazy. Like Jesus is saying, like, here's the evidence of what it looks like to have a good heart. You know, th- these, are the, these are the things you do. He says, give generously. When something is taken from you, don't try to get it back. Lend to people who can't pay you back. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, when I read this stuff, I don't know about you, but, I, like, I actually think he's serious. I, I don't think Jesus is messing around here. And so there's been times where I've been with people, and I've felt like, you know, well, they've asked for money or they wanted to do something, and I've just felt like I think Jesus really wants me to do it, and if I get ripped off, I'm supposed to still love these people. That's not very Canadian culture, right? Like, usually we lend to people when we know we're going to get it back or we, we give to somebody who we know is going to treat us well in return. But Jesus is saying, but if you want evidence of what a good heart is, it's actually being able to do that when you're treated horribly. So he's not just talking in, like, abstract terms and ways and like in our mind. He's talking about, like, here's real life. What, do you, do you want to know what the evidence of a good heart is? It's, like, living that way. Like, I'll probably, I'm not going to get you to raise your hands, but probably most of us, we read down through this and we're like, man, I've got a ways to go. I mean, there is one in every, I know there's somebody here that's like, man, I, I nail this. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm hitting this one out of the park. Um, but don't judge, don't condemn, forgive. We were in prayer this morning and Elen thanked God for COVID. And in her prayer, as she was thanking God, she was, she was saying, God, I thank you for what you're doing and how you're using COVID. If COVID has done nothing else, it's revealed our attitudes. It's revealed how we treat and think about people that believe and think differently than us. It's pretty convicting stuff. Like Jesus, when he's talking about a good heart and a bad heart, he's, not, he, he's talking about real, like how do we respond in real life situations? Is what comes out of our mouths, is it, is it evil? Is what kind of floats around in our heart and our, our chest area? And the reason I point here is because a lot of times... Um, when I'm really angry at somebody, when I, when I, sometimes I, like, I've kind of learned to temper myself. I'm not quick to respond in anger, um, and, and I think it's because of how I grew up, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't go on in my heart, but I feel it here. You ever felt that, where you're, like, just enraged at somebody, and you, like, literally have this feeling in your chest? You, you ever feel that? Like, and I, and, like, when that goes on, I'm, like, I think of Jesus' words, and I'm, like, that's what he sees. People on the outside, they might see me respond in a kind way because I've like trained myself to respond but he sees what what I allow going on in my heart he sees the explosion long before the explosion even happens and so Jesus is teaching he's saying like here's the comparison the good heart and the bad heart and here's what reveals what's going on in inside of our hearts he he actually wants us to become like him I want to give two examples and uh, then I'm going to close but Jesus' words, um, the reason I want to put this into real terms is because I think all of us, if we're Jesus followers, desire to become more like him. If, 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 we're, if we're, you know, thinking prayerfully and meditatively, like, our desire is to become more like him. But it doesn't happen just by agreeing with what's true in your head. It happens first by agreeing with it, surrendering to Jesus, and then letting him live through us. But I saw... Um, I'll give one example from, from my upbringing, and then I want to give one example that Jesus gives. 
Um, but most of you know a little bit about my upbringing and the ministry my dad started on the East Coast that he ministers to people that are addicts and coming off the streets and who are caught up in prostitution and coming out of prison and all kinds of things. Um, growing up, before he had a ministry that did that, we often just had people come and stay in our home. So it was normal for us to have somebody come and stay in our home who the day before was living on the streets or was caught up in drugs or whatever it was. And I remember one time when I was really young, um, my dad's guitar was stolen. And he's, uh, you know, we didn't have, well, actually, we had, like, didn't have hardly any money growing up. Um, he gave most of what he got towards the ministry. And so somebody had given him this guitar, and it was a real blessing to him, and, and it was stolen. And uh, I remember, and I was probably like Lucy's age, so I don't know, like maybe seven or eight years old. And I remember my parents talking because they saw this woman that they thought stole his guitar. And she had like these two bags of milk, and she had the stuff she bought, and they were like, like she just never had any money. And they were like, oh, it's totally so-and-so. But they just kept loving on her and telling her about Jesus. And then a few years later, I was at this meeting, and we were all sitting in a circle, and people were sharing, you know, stories of what God had done in their life. And this woman speaks up and says, I stole Cal's guitar <laughs> a few years ago. Just, just as casual, my dad's sitting right there, and she's like, yeah, stole his guitar, and, uh, but he kept loving me, and he kept telling me about Jesus, and like, and everybody in the room, they kind of laughed like you did, because they just knew that was how he lived his life. And it was like water off a duck's back. Did my dad, it was like he didn't even think anything of it. It was like, yeah. Like, wasn't looking, he wasn't looking for attention from it. It was just, that was the price of actually loving people, and he knew it. And I could tell you tons of stories like that. But I saw, like, that's, that's an example of what Jesus is talking about. Like, how do you respond when you're loving somebody and you're, you're ripped off or you don't get in return what you expected? That reveals what's in our, our hearts. And then Jesus, I want to give you a scriptural example that I, I think is very real. I've seen this uh, played out in our day. But in Luke chapter 12, um, and Luke is all about discipleship, okay? So that's why I'm, I'm pulling from Luke this morning. Jesus is still teaching his disciples. He's still teaching them what it looks like to really actually become his follower, his disciple. So it says, then somebody, and I think this is, yeah, it is. Then someone called from the crowd. So Jesus is teaching, and a uh, big crowd of people are there. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This example, it just illustrates what we're talking about. So we've seen this. People, like families that are absolutely split and divided because when a parent dies, there's arguments amongst the siblings over who gets the estate and how much is, is, is there. I've seen siblings that are absolutely divided over this. It causes, like, animosity. And, and a lot of times people are looking to a pastor or somebody in position of authority to, like, make sure things are done fair. The reason, I love this, okay, because it is so convicting. Jesus, he's got this person who has a legitimate concern. They're like, dad died. My brother wants to steal most of the money. Jesus, you are ultimate good. You are the son of God. Like, you should be telling him to be fair. And Jesus just, like, fluffs it off. He's like, don't let greed get in your heart. Like, I just, and it, like, these stories, like, even when I've thought about it with my, my sisters and I, I've thought, like, as a family, like, if, if we had an opportunity to get all kinds of money, it, like, would, would greed take over the conversation? 
Because Jesus in this passage, he's not concerned with like the, the right split up, whether you're not get 50-50 or 40-50, whatever you'd figured out. Like he's like, just don't let greed take over your heart. You know what I find super convicting about this story is that that person, if they took Jesus' words seriously, may have gone away and gotten ripped off. Maybe they were going to get 2% and their brother was going to get 99%. But Jesus was saying, he was saying, that would be better as long as greed doesn't take over in your heart. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, I think about real-life examples of, it. like, how do we respond when we, when we have access to money or when we think something is owed to us or fair? Jesus is saying, like, if you want to have a, a good heart, like, look at the things that come out of your mouth. Look at how you respond to people that, that mistreat you. And you know this to be true. Like, I'm, this, is, this is only one sermon. I'm not saying, hey, go and be a doormat and go and be taken advantage of to the point of abuse. I am not advocating in any way for abuse or being taken advantage of or letting uh, a, a manipulator, you know, um, do things in ways that are abusive. But, like, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, like, guard your heart against greed. Guard it against selfishness. Guard it against the evil that can be uh, unleashed as we open our mouths. If you want to actually be somebody who becomes like Jesus, uh, you have to put into practice his ways, his teachings. As we close, I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to... um, pray for us. You guys can, can come up. And I, what I want us to think about, uh, as we reflect on this, if, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, I want to invite you to do that. I'm, I'm not advocating in this sermon that you can earn God's love or God's favor. It's something you receive. Jesus has done it all for you, okay? So if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I invite you to do that even today. You can come up and, and pray at the front. You can come talk to, to me or one of the leaders. We would love to pray with you. If you're somebody who has surrendered your life to Jesus, what would it look like to uh, consider yourself his disciple and to start putting into practice the things he's talking about? Becoming a person who has a heart that is good in the way that we respond to evil, in the way that we forgive, in the way that we love, in the way that we reach out. Are you somebody who turns the other cheek? Are you someone who's kind and generous towards those who are unkind and mean-spirited? Do you forgive even when somebody doesn't deserve to be forgiven? And these are really convicting questions, and they're not meant to uh, be condemning. They're meant to be convicting that if, if your answer to that is like, man, I still have some evil things in my heart, there's so much hope. The, the reason I love the way Jesus teaches is because if you, if you read this pretty closely, like Jesus would go from a really powerful teaching like this and then his disciples, the very ones he's spending time with every day, they're arguing about which one is Jesus' favorite. They're arguing about which one is the greatest in the kingdom. So he, he's not saying like, well, if you mess up, you're just outcast. It's a, it's a life uh, commitment, this, this discipleship process of becoming more like Jesus, of, of having a heart that is actually good. And, and as we close this series out, I just want to encourage you to take if you, if you haven't already, if you have, continue in it, be, be faithful, but take some practical steps this year in your life to becoming more like Jesus. Join us in being thankful every day through 2022. Make, be intentional about getting the story in your head right. Think on and meditate on the truths of God's word and on who he is. Make scripture a regular part of your diet and your, your intake. Pray. Spend time in prayer. Gather with other people who love Jesus and pray. pray take time every day to 
to pray. And, and then this has to play out in our real, actual lives. When we're at work, when we're with family, reflect on, like, God, am I, am I acting like you when I'm with my annoying uncle? <laughs> right? When I'm with my whatever. I'm struggling in my marriage. When I'm responding to my, whatever it is. Like, God, am I behaving and acting in a way that honors you? Is my heart reflective of a good heart? Or is my heart reflective of an evil heart? And if the answer is it's reflective of an evil heart, there's hope. Because if you can even acknowledge that, it means that the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart. And he, he desires to make you more like Christ. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll worship. And if the Lord's speaking to you, um, the altar's always open. If you ever want to come and just pray or kneel at the altar, or you can do so from your seat. Um, but I just invite you to spend some time just in prayer and reflection on what the Lord might be speaking. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak to us. Lord, the message today, the, the scriptures we looked at, Jesus, your teaching is, it is really convicting. Um, I, I think probably the vast majority of us that are listening or tuning in today would be able to admit we've got a ways to go. Lord, probably most of us that are listening to this message right now can think of times just this week where our hearts reflected an evil heart. But God, I thank you that you are gracious, and I thank you that you promised us, uh, your followers, your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you've promised us forgiveness um, when we trust you. And Lord, for those of us that, that believe, we, we believe you've taken care of salvation. You've taken care of what we could never take, take care of. But God, help us to be the type of people that put your teachings and your words into practice in our real lives. When we're at the store, when we're interacting with family, when we're at our workplace. Lord, help us to, when we're alone in our room with our computer, Lord, help us to put into practice what you teach, what you reveal to us, God. Help us to be the kind of people that uh, reflect good hearts. God, we love you, and we just want to welcome you into our lives and uh, lead us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name.